And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. One week from the NBA trade deadline, and we are going to talk about the Eastern Conference, which is in complete chaos. The Brooklyn Nets, presumptive title favorites to begin the season, lost their sixth straight game in Sacramento to a Kings team that has been absolutely abysmal over the last month and really over the last decade and a half. The Bucks up and down there in fourth. The Bulls, despite taking injury after injury after injury, it all it, it looked like they were going to slip in the standings, slip in the standings for a hot second they did. They wake up today, they're still first. The Heat have had their whole team together for basically never. They're still second. The Nets are only two games up on the play-in tournament. Charlotte Hornets hot in pursuit at number seven. The Raptors and the Celtics are surging at eight and nine. Are the Nets actually not going to make the top six? This is crazy. We're going to talk about what all of these teams should do at the trade deadline, how they are uh, navigating this confusion in the East. Should they should they be more cautious? Should, should some of these teams like Cleveland and Chicago say, wait a second, we got a window. We should go for it harder than we thought we were going to go for it. Or should they take the opposite tact of, hey, uh, maybe we're good enough as it is because our conference is a total mess. Why would we squander a Pat Williams or multiple future firsts if we might be good enough now? These are the tough questions. To help us answer them, two of our uh, all-star reporters, we have our Eastern Conference guru, Mr. Tim Bontemps, from a hotel room somewhere in an Eastern Con- on the Eastern Conference landscape. Somewhere. How are you, Tim? <laughs> I'm doing well, Zach. How are you? And we've got front office guru, Daryl Rivas, number one fan, (laughs) Mr. Bobby Marks. How are you, sir? Um, Good, guys. How are you? Ah, you know, hanging in, hanging in. So so the centerpiece of all of this is we mentioned all these teams at the top of the East, up, down, this, that. At the center of all of it has been the Philadelphia 76ers who look up in the standings and are like, oh, my gosh, we're getting a big zero from Ben Simmons, our all-NBA, all-defense point whatever. Um, and we're almost in first place in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid is playing absolutely out of his mind. Uh, does this increase our urgency to take 80 cents on the dollar for Ben Simmons, even though maybe it's not a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal or a waiting for James Harden dream? Uh, because uh, the East around us is in tathers, and maybe we can win the thing. And then, of course, as soon as you play on the podcast and discuss that, they lose at home to the Washington Wizards without Bradley Beal. So let's start, before we get to the other teams, let's start at the Simmons Beal nexus of pain and agony. Ben Simmons still absent. Ramona wrote a huge story on the stalemate between Simmons and the Sixers. Simmons is getting fined. Uh, I think $19 million was the number that was uh, in the story. I, I think there's some expectation in the Simmons camp that he can get some of that money back in arbitration, if not all of it at some point. And that's going to be a critical battleground here going forward. Um, and then there's been, you know, some of the murmurs of well will will Bradley Beal finally do it will Bradley Beal finally ask out with the Wizards after having started 10 and 3 they're now 24 and 27 they don't appear to be going anywhere is he finally going to do it that has sort of trickled out into some public reporting and obviously a Simmons Beal trade is one of the Daryl Morey dreams so Bobby I will start with you a week out after digesting Ramona's big Simmons story Sacramento allegedly bowed out about a week ago. I don't really believe any of those things, by the way. I don't anything that's like sac any any team that does that. I just don't believe it until the trade deadline's over. But let's just say they allegedly bowed out. Bobby, you remember when Prokhorov backed out of the Carmelo deal back in uh, back in twenty? Uh, I did, and I think we called Messiah right after the call. <laughs> right after we he backed out, I think we called Messiah back. Car- meaning. Uh, Setting up a meeting with Carmel. Yep. So, I, I, so, so I hold on. So, so on that call, <laughs> on that call, when you call Masai Ujiri, are you all just laughing about the situation? Like, do you acknowledge, like, yeah, we backed out. It's kind of funny. But, you know, we didn't really back out. Our owner just said some stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of do a little bit damage control. But I remember when Prokhorov did that, at it was at the Prudential Center in Newark, and I walked out with Billy King, um, who was the GM at the time. You know, I asked Billy, I was like, are we really out? And he's like, no. We're still in it. So I think it's just posturing. I think, I think, you know, Sacramento come, you know, saying, you know, we're out is kind of a little bit of to what Daryl went on, on radio and, and said, you know, I could do a deal right now, you know, if I, you know, whether it be a team like, uh, whether it be like team like Sacramento and, you know, 
Philly's Philly's interesting. I mean, eleven and four the last fifteen games, what, like fourth um, in defensive rating. Um, but it comes down to: Do they see Simmons as that last big piece? Are they going to be conservative? Can they? I think they can still turn him into something and then move those other pieces down the road and kind of you know get their cake right now and kind of look towards the future. Um, as Ramona said, he is not clearing a paycheck, right? So when we get direct deposit, um, I guess every Thursday, like there would be nothing coming into their his bank account, right? He's, do you just do you get it? What I, I like the idea of checking your bank account and it just says check from Phil whatever they're like Philadelphia seventy six LLC zero. Just do you actually see the zero yeah, or do you just I mean, see no? There's no line item, and I want I there mean, to be I mean, a zero and then like a frown, <laughs> a Daryl Morey frowny face graphic. That, I mean, a quick story. Like I had a player back in Brooklyn who um he was a rookie at the time, and he he got his paycheck, and there was like it was a direct deposit of like forty two dollars and thirty cents. I mean, he was making nine hundred thousand, and I had to explain to him why. There were so many deductions, like the, for either child support or took out a loan and all these things. And he, so for for Simmons, there's nothing coming in. And basically, like what's going to happen is, as you said, it's going to go to arbitration and that's going to take a while. I mean, that takes years. Yeah. Um, we had Stromile Swift who never showed. Stromile Swift one year ne- didn't come back from All-Star break and like went AWOL for like two weeks. And, you know, we took him to arbitration and that that money sat there for, I think, over a year. Um I think this is the first time Stromile Swift has ever come up on the podcast. Unless <laughs> Shane Battier brought him. Shane Battier loves talking about the Stroh show in, in Memphis. So this is going to be the first Stroh show mentioned on the podcast. Bobby just has an unlimited me, well of net stories. Yeah. There's, no, it's unlimited. But but as Ramona said, like the, the big thing, like when there's a quote in it, like he said, like from a source, like he doesn't care about the money. Like he's willing to kind of like, you know, stand on a hill and say like, this is kind of what I want, and I'm I'm willing to forfeit thirty three million dollars, which is likely going to happen this year. I don't believe that he doesn't care about the money. Generally, when yeah. people say I don't care about the money, they actually care somewhat about the money. So, um, all right, let's just digest this. Let's just say the Kings are. Let's say we believe the Kings, as if the Kings have been able to stick to any stance for more than five <laughs> hot <laughs> seconds since the background of Dave bought the team. Okay, let's just pretend that the Kings that we believe that. Uh, the Atlanta Simmons noise has quieted, at least you know from from what I'm hearing, and I and and I haven't been able to make quite as many calls as usual, but I haven't heard much of that. I, I just don't. Know, the Boston Simmons noise never really got loud because there is no Jalen Brown stump. The Sixers are going to have nope. to add a lot of stuff to Simmons to even get in that conversation. Yep. I just don't know if there's a deal that's moving anywhere out there, Toronto has been mentioned, but I haven't heard much tell of that. And they're playing well lately. I don't know that. I don't know that there's anything going on there. Uh, Let's aside from the Washington possibility. And we'll talk about how realistic or unrealistic that might be. Tim, have you, have you heard anything moving anywhere on the Simmons landscape? I mean, you hear about different stuff that might be percolating, but at the end of the day, I think it sort of comes back to what Bobby said, right? I agree with Bobby in that I think the Sixers can make a deal now that can allow them then to make a deal later. But the way Daryl is at least publicly posturing this, he keeps saying, I'm going to make one trade for one guy, and that's what we're going to do. And unless the Bradley Beal thing, like we're going to get to, materializes in the next week, which seems unlikely on a few fronts, I would say, um, it's hard to see Daryl getting that kind of fish that he wants to get in a Ben Simmons trade in the next week. So maybe it's all public posturing to try to get, you know, a sweeter deal. Now, you know, I'm with you. I think Sacramento will get back in the mix at some point. Um, I think there's deals there that make sense um, for both sides, but ultimately if it's like, Hey, I want to get a star player or not. It's hard to see the star player that Daryl's going to want materializing between now and the 10th. Well, okay, so Tim, you already answered the question that I posed to Bobby last week, which is, what do you think of this idea that, okay, I I want James Harden. I have intel that James Harden may be interested in coming to me as as the Philadelphia 76ers in the offseason, likely through an opt-in and trade, let's say. Right. Um, I need to keep Ben Simmons on my roster as the carrot that makes Brooklyn – do that deal. 
I have posed this question because when that was presented in some article, I think the athletic had that when it was presented to me in some article, obviously I had heard about this theory before mm-hmm. I said, I, that doesn't quite pass the smell test to me just because when a star player at James Harden's level, a top 10 player says, I want to go there, send me there. They tend to get there, whether you have Ben Simmons or whether you have whatever 80 cents on the dollar you get for Ben Simmons now. Sure. Plus, maybe you have to throw in Thibault. Maybe you have to throw in a couple seconds or a first, and, and then you get Ben Simmons that way. I, I don't I, – I, but then I had some pushback from, I would say, a plurality – a minority, rather, of front office people who said, you know what? This could be a situation that's so tense and so ugly – between the Nets and the Sixers, that the and, and and potentially Harden is a third party, that the Nets say, nope, we're not helping you. We're not helping you unless we get exactly what we want. And exactly what we want is Ben Simmons. And if you don't have that anymore, figure it out. Fi- go to San Antonio. Go to Detroit. Or give us everything that we ask for. Otherwise, we're not helping you. So, Tim, where do you, you seem to think that the Sixers could indeed kind of have their cake and eat it too, right? I think that that's what they should do, and I think it's what they can do. I mean, the the Sixers hired Daryl Morey to make good trades, right? I'm not like, yeah, if the Sixers make a terrible trade for Ben Simmons, it doesn't make sense. I don't anticipate Daryl Morey making a terrible trade. He's made very few of them in his career. Um, Frankly, I think waiting to trade for James Harden this summer would be a terrible trade and a terrible idea. I I think it is insane that they might wait to do that. I don't. I I think. Why? uh, James Harden went two for 11 last night against the Kings. And scored four points, and they lost to the Kings. Uh, James Harden does not look like a top ten player in the world anymore. He doesn't look like a guy that I want to be paying fifty million dollars when he's thirty six. Um, he doesn't look like a guy. It's f- interesting you say that because I had I had a front office guy yesterday, a very smart front office guy that I bounce ideas off a lot, who advocates for I guess the stance that all of us share that you can take this middle ground. You don't have to have Ben Simmons to get James Harden. Who said, hey? You might take 80 cents on the dollar for Ben Simmons now and discover we kind of like this 80 cents better yeah. than the idea of paying James Harden $50 million a year. I think like two years from now, we'll, we'll be talking about James Harden like we talk about John Wall and West, Russell Westbrook. Wow! Yeah. You guys are just, just – the, the mean, howitzers like are coming out for James Harden. I'm going to go a step further. If you watch James Harden play now, he's a better shooting version of Russell Westbrook. That's who he is now. When he plays his best games with the Nets. Well, the better shooting version of Russell Westbrook is a really good player. It's a good player, but he has the same flaws. When he's on offense and he doesn't have the ball, he stands there. He doesn't move. He doesn't He doesn't shoot, catch, and shoot threes. So he j- you're just sort of playing four on four. And on defense, he's obviously never been very good on defense. And the one thing he does do in terms of switching, you can't do if you haven't played with Joel Embiid because Joel's playing in a drop and he's going to be by the rim and you're not going to have him out on the, at the three-point line switching around on guys. Can I just say in the past 10 days, James Harden has had a 37-11-10 and 10 and a 33-11-12 and yeah, 12 triple-double. That's fine. I just like, let's let's I put know. the brakes on like the better shooting Russell Westbrook a I mean, little Russell bit. Westbrook First of all, a better shooting Russell Westbrook. Years, so, you know. A better shooting Russell Westbrook is like, that's like saying... Like, like, like it's like saying like a guy who, if he didn't have this fatal flaw, would it's be a, like obviously it's that's a player, a bit too much. It's complete apples to oranges. It's a player that, if you're trying to win forty-five or fifty games, is a really good player to have. If it's a player you're trying to add to your team to win championships, it's not a player that's going to help you do that. Look at look at what's happened with the Lakers. I just don't. So I, why wouldn't the Nets just trade Harden for Simmons right now? I then? would do that personally. I would rather have Ben Simmons the next four years than James Harden. Personally, I would rather do that. I wouldn't do it right now. I'm not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, do it do today it right for a variety of reasons. Uh, uh, but I, 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 I'm, sw- I'm going down with the ship with this group, you know, and then just reassess what it, it's going to be in the off season. I'm not, especially for a guy who hasn't played since the Atlanta series. And I'm by not, the way, this team was my championship pick emphatically to begin the season. Now that was before we knew we knew what the. Kyrie Irving situation was really going to be and as of now I just don't see that changing unless New York changes the rules and the Nets are definitely holding out hope that if this wave continues to crash 
and the the virus situation improves, that New York will change the rules. Yep. I don't think they're going to pay this fine that they supposedly that's can not, pay. That's not they a don't real, really know if they can. That's not a real thing because you the, the league has said you have to comply with local laws, so they can't like not comply with local laws. Well, but but nobody really knows what that means. Like, is the league just going to tack on another fine atop the city fine? Well, you could just pay that. They're just not going to do that because the PR hit would yeah, be so they're disastrous, not, yeah, and they're, they're just not they're just not going to do it. Beyond that, like. I don't – this team does not look like it's in a good place right now. No. I have not heard fantastic things about the chemistry. I don't think it's a given – I don't know what – I don't – like the Joe Harris situation has become really worrisome. I don't think it's a given that he's coming back this year, and I definitely don't think it's a given he's coming back at 100%. And he's a massive part of their team. The Nets are kind of a mess right now, and and that's – that I don't know what that is going to do to some of these other teams we're going to talk about, but I think I think right now the Nets are at risk of becoming one of the greatest theoretical teams in NBA history. Like we just have not seen these three guys play together, and the next time we see them play together is God knows when, and we may not see them with the supporting cast that we all envision. Joe Harris is the fourth most important guy on the team, and they're just a mess right now, and I'm starting to reach the point where I'm like, I just can't assume that we're going to wave a magic wand and the Nets that we all thought about and talked about and saw for a hot second in the Celtics series in the first round, that that team's going to exist. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com, or just stop by. Let's zoom out. Let's, let's stop Nets st- stuff now um, and talk about Beal. Um, Bobby, I'll start with you. We talked a little bit about Beal last week. Um, we're a week away. Beal is a free agent after this season. He can sign a five-year max deal with the Wizards, or... In the next week, he could decide, I'm done, we're bad, get me out of here, I'm finally doing it after all these years of murmurs and whatever. And not only that, I know where I want to sign the five-year deal. And that team has enough stuff or can get enough stuff from a third team to satisfy what I know you, Washington, need for me. Have you, Bobby, heard any movement on this? I mean, there's been some rumblings. The Athletics had something about how... um, this is closer to happening than it's ever happened before. I don't really know how to read that. I can tell you what I think the tea leaves are later, but what, what do you think, Bobby? I think there's a door number three here. And I think what door number three is would be, uh, well, first, I don't think he'll get traded, and I don't think he'll go to Tommy Shepard and ask to be traded before the deadline. I think door number three option will be, let's work out something in the offseason where I am going to opt in to my, th- and I ran the numbers yesterday, my $36 million contract, which is less than what he could earn in a max deal, which is about $5 million, and direct me to somewhere where I want to go. And there was a, and because there's a, there's a working, this is a little bit different than Harden in Brooklyn, where like Beal's, Beal's like a lifer, right? Like there's a working relationship there between them. And if he goes to Tommy and says, it's not working out, but I want the organization to get some things back. I'm not just going to leave. Trade me to Team X, but I'm going to opt in. And then I'm going to sign that extension. Six months later, add four years. It would be for a total of 232 So it's like $10 million less than what he could actually earn on that five-year contract. I think that's what door number three would be. And I think if, if Washington continues to, to slide, um, you know, besides the Philly game, they have not played good basketball at all. Um, I think that's kind of more of a realistic thing than going and saying, you know, I want to 
I want to get, I want to get traded by the 10th or, you know what, I'm going to decline my option and then kind of play the free agent market. Because as we've said, like it's, it's like, it's, um, San Antonio, Orlando, Detroit teams with room. It's not that it's not 2016 all over where you basically no. can pick your team. And I think the opt-in scenario is more realistic. Um, I think it's more realistic with Beal and Washington to direct them somewhere else than it would be for Harden in, in Brooklyn, because I do think there's a, a little bit of, you know, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm like, why am I, why am I helping Philly out? Tim, have you heard any, any movement on the Beal, on the Beal front? No, I mean, look, we've been in this situation several times before, right? Where Bradley Beal is, there's been rumblings about, is he happy in Washington? Does he want to maybe leave Washington? And then he ultimately doesn't want to leave Washington. And we've sort of gone through this song and dance before. And I, 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 with Bobby, I think it's very hard to see a trade happening in the next week. You have this wrist issue that he's got going on now too, right? Where he, he got looked at earlier this week. He's out for at least a week. So, you know, that's only going to further complicate things because you've got this guy who's you know going into this extension this summer or opting in and extending, like Bobby said. Um, and then you have to deal with, you know, trying to figure out if you're going to trade him, how much you're going to trade now, are you going to pay him this summer? So there's a lot of moving parts there. It seems unlikely Ted Leontis, uh and the Wizards are going to greenlight that that fast. I'm with Bobby. The other thing, too, unlike the James Harden thing where he's been there for a year, you know, Tommy Shepard's been with the Wizards for two decades. He's been there the whole time Brad's been there. They have a very good relationship in terms of communication. So I do think they can work something out later if they want. And there is that level of trust there between the two sides. that probably doesn't exist in Brooklyn. So I'm with Bobby. I think that's much more likely in terms of Brad maybe moving. And I think, you know, I could see the Wizards trying to do stuff around Brad to try to get better over the next week to try to get into the play in and try to make the playoffs again and, you know, try to turn things around that way. But it just seems very unlikely that, this Brad thing is going to get to the place where he would turn around and then be out of there in a week. Let's flip it around. There are two ways to flip it around. Here's the first way I, I wrote like six or seven weeks ago in my 10 things column when the wizards were, were sliding slip sliding away that the boldest move on the board for any team at the trade deadline is for Washington to do a total 180 and say, we're out. We're bad. We already have a bunch of young guys open up the bidding war for Bradley Beal Give me your best offer. Bid against each other. Let's see what they can get. Um, Bradley Beal is, what, 28 or 29 years old. He's about to sign a massive contract. We're going absolutely nowhere. Um, he's a very good player. I've had him on a couple of the two of the last four or two of the last three All-NBA teams. But is he a top 20 player? Like, maybe. maybe. In good years, yes. This year, I don't think so. He's not an All-Star this year. Right. Um, should they just should, – should they just – trade him and if so uh, where is there is there a hardened level i don't think there's a hardened level offer out there but is there like a whole bunch of pick swaps and picks offer at least out there like where is the where is the brad should washington do that bobby and where is the team other than other than the beal simmons thing which we can talk about if you want <sighs> should they do it now i don't i don't think so i think you can get more value from him in the off season because uh, i think you know where where some of these picks will be especially what, you know, right now picks are just kind of like that faceless name, you know, that, that faceless person, right? You, right. Just, you just don't know who they are until, until we get to where, where the lottery and there's a number attached to them. And I mean, the, the picks are, are, are challenging because like everybody, there's so much already out there, right? Like the Clippers already have a ton out. The Lakers, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Everyone took kind of, their bites. Everyone took their yeah. bites at the apple already. Um, so like, who's that like, under the radar team that would kind of slide in here. And then basically would have to con not convince him, but you'd have to, you would have to have a strong comfort level that you're going to be able to resign him. I mean, that's the other thing too. Right. And maybe you roll the dice there. I just, I mean, I'm just looking at it like through, you know, for Beal to go to a team for the next three months and not really having a relationship already it's hard for me to think that he would make a long-term commitment to that. Well, yeah, you you have to know. We're, we're, yeah. we're, the assumption underlying my question is that the team knows. Yeah. Wink, wink, wink. There is no tampering in the NBA. We know we're resigning. Well, and I think what time. would happen too is that, and it's very rare. Um, it happened with us with Carmelo. It happened last year with, um, um, I believe, with Kyle Lowry and his agent Mark Barlstein. That, like, for us and Carmelo, like, we were able to meet with him. Right. Like Denver allowed us to meet to get a to get like a 
a comfort level of where if he was going to resign, like like um, like Toronto allowed Mark Bartlestein to talk to teams about Kyle Lowry as far as if he would resign. And I think if you're going to go down that path in the next, you know, ten, well, I guess it's a week now. You're, you know, Mark Bartlestein's Bradley Beal's agents also. You're going to. That's what's going to happen. That's the reality of it. Is that. There's no team out there that will trade for him, knowing there's some. You know, you'll know if you're if he's if he's going to be there long term. Even for a, for a long time, Denver was kind of the fantasy Bradley Beal team when they had the Gary Harris piece and all the picks. Well, they've moved on. They've traded all their stuff. They've they've built a different kind of team. I, you know, I, I I look around at the teams that have stuff left to offer, and that makes sense. And they're just they're all it takes is a couple. Like I I think I think would Boston do all the stuff but the Jays for Bradley Beal and just build a big three that way, maybe. I mean, that's a conversation I think they would have. Um, people have people have speculated about Golden State and Beal for years and years. I don't think Golden State is upending the apple cart at all this year in any serious way. And with Clay back and the way they're playing, like I'm not I'm not really sure that's a conversation. I've, if I'm have if I'm Golden State, I'm not having that conversation right now. That's a that's a long time down the line. Part of the issue there too is James Wiseman hasn't played right. Like and they their pick some of their picks are encumbered. Like their their deal would be around Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and uh, James Wiseman, and that deal does not look you know the same as it did when it was James Wiseman and two potential firsts. Right now it's James Wiseman who has barely played in a year and a half. Kaminga's looked interesting, and you know Moody's going to be fine. But I like that's. That pick package isn't the same as it looked eighteen months ago, at least to me. Well, and the, and the other thing is, if you're talking about a if you're talking about a Boston level deal, or even the Golden State's got at least these like big big time big high wattage young prospects, right? And again, I don't think anything is happening with Golden State. I don't think anything big at all is happening with Golden no, State I anywhere agree with that. this season. I agree with that too. Um, but but like if just some of these, if you put Bradley Beal on some of these teams. Bradley Beal's still in his prime. Some of these other teams have young stars. Like those picks are not going to be very valuable going forward. Um, the Knicks have a whole lot of stuff to offer, but that's just not do a they? name we've ever heard. Do associated the Knicks have with a lot of Knicks. stuff to offer? I mean, they have they have literal yeah, stuff to I offer. I think they do. They have literal stuff to offer. I mean, they I guess if you if you if you threw in if players, that's true. They have a young core. I have like they're they they're young players, you know. I mean, they've got picks, they got contr- contracts to make it work. There's there's things there. I would say this: the one team, if you want to, if you want to take your your all your chips, put them all in your your little basket, I'm and so go excited. to the cashier, is Memphis. <laughs> no, Memphis, not happening. Not I know, happening. I know it's not. I know it's not happening. But that would be the one team that that has. Every little bit of everything, right? And it's not it's not their DNA. I know they're and they're not doing it, but that would be like if you wanted to cash in on a Bradley Beal. Of course, you'd have to know he was coming, but that would be the one team. But I, as as you said, like it ain't happening. But like they have a little bit of everything, right? Like they just like they got young players, draft picks, expiring contracts, like uh, like uh, like a mix of. Um, you know, things to get a deal done, but they're content. Like they know who they are. Like yep. they're not like, they're not a swing for the fence type team. They feel very, very no, good. If about they're going to do that, they should. they should, first of all, they're awesome. And they I sure think they are. would say like, how much, like how much better are we getting? Right. Like if we trade, I name the names. I don't know. Like for whoever, for Bradley Beal. Yeah. I mean, it would be like Bane and like, you know, like done like, conversation yeah, over. They're yeah. not trading Bane. Yeah, this year. I know it's not, it's I not know. happening. The only, when they cash their chips in, if they ever do, it's going to be for a huge three and D wing or some kind of like unicornish big man to put around Jaron Jackson jr. That that's, th- those are going to be the pieces. Um, what do we think of, and, and I don't, whoever wants to take this one, the, uh, Tim, you mentioned adding. Like, should the Wizards go the other way and add um, the Beal, the the Sabonis to Washington fake trade that everyone's been making for the last two months, where the Wizards have all these centers, they've got all these young power forwards, they have picks, although they owe one future first, I think, to Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, everybody owes a future first to Oklahoma City. Um, should they consolidate all of that for Sabonis? That's now been floated in in some of the media. What do we th- What do we think of that? I don't think Indiana's trading Sabonis, and I, I don't really know if Indiana's going to make much of any trades other than maybe Karis LeVert. Um, and I don't, to me, what I was more saying before was like, for example, like could Washington try to move off Spencer Dinwiddie to make 
Bradley Beal happy. Like, yeah, I could maybe see that. Um, they could maybe try to rearrange some of their stuff. I wouldn't be, to me, I wouldn't be investing a ton of assets in trying to add a piece to this team because I don't think it's very good. I'm not sure they'll make the play in, even if they do add a piece like Demonis Bonus. And then you're giving up all these assets to add a piece that's not changing your future anyway. Um, because ultimately, I think what you said before, Zach, is right. This team, sort of regardless of what they do right now, barring something crazy happening, you know, they need to have some luck in the lottery and jump up to one or two or three or get, you know, get a another guy like that, I think, to potentially change their future. Sort of like what happened with Cleveland, jumping up to three, you get Evan Mobley, everything looks different. I think short of something like that happening, you know, I, I think it's more, it's, it's just hard to see where this group is going to go with Bradley Beal, it's going to change its trajectory from where it's been really for the past few years since they moved on from the, you know, the, since the John Wall hurt his Achilles and that era kind of ended, they've just sort of been in the same spot floating around the eight seed. You know, are they making the play? Are they making the playoffs? Are they going to be just out of the playoffs at the back end of the lottery? They, you know, that's just kind of the team they've been for three or four years now. Indiana has surprised us before getting more, value than we thought in a star trade you know they got pilloried for the paul george for old depot and sabonis trade and that turned out to be a, an absolutely fantastic trade yep. for them that said i look at this washington roster and i'm like i like denny avdia i think he's a, a nice a nice role player he's smart he plays hard on defense he's got decent feel for the game rui hachimura it just started playing again and he's again he's I, I like him fine for a young multi-positional. You know, he's a four, but can defend multi, multiple positions maybe as a nice mid-range game. If I'm the Pacers, I'm like, there's just nothing here that I can take to my fans and be like, this is a foundational player for the next era of Indiana Pacers basketball. And by that, I mean, this is like a top three player on a 55-win team right. in four years. I just don't. Like, Denny Avdia could play on that team. Might be a sixth man, might be a fifth starter, might be a seventh man. I don't know. Rui Hachimura, same thing. Like, I just don't – I just don't and, – and I'm not going to get the pick swap bonanza because they're already encumbered with one pick. I just look at this Washington roster like, I'm not sure I'm that excited about anything I can get for them. I truly have no idea what's going to happen with Sabonis. I, 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 but that situation feels and has felt to me now for two years, not just with Sabonis but with everybody, it's just felt – tenuous and explosive and just not not good like something is going to crack at some point well here, here's the other thing too washington and in, in indiana that, that both of these teams are they're they're like they're, they're straddling the, they're straddling the tax line too like it's like so i have an article on thursday about um it's about all-star bonuses but in there it's got regular bonuses like the dinwiddie bonus for games played is is probably going to be reached um if he's still on the roster and so technically, like Washington's like two hundred thousand below the luxury tax. So you've got that to consider. You've got Indiana, who's like two million below the tax. So for those two teams to do a deal, like man, you better have a balancing act because nobody wants to go into tax this year at well, all. Well, this is going to be an issue in the off season too because there's there's a I I haven't run the numbers recently, but I I do know and I've heard from lots of front office people like. There are a lot of teams that are a mid-level exception away from being in the tax for 22, yeah. 23. And like, that's going to affect not a free agency, just in terms of like how many of these teams can yeah. actually use their full mid-level. Yeah. I, I have, uh, after the deadline, the trade deadline, I have an off season article coming out. Uh, and, and it has in there that there's, there's 14, 13 teams that are tax mid-level teams, right? Like that are either in the tax or, you know, or like, you know, going to be close to that. And then the other teams are are full mid level, like so. You your 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 off season is going to be hit for you know with teams as far as what they're able to spend. But um, and then you mentioned the, the pick that's owed to OKC. Like I think it's a it's a big risk, especially if you don't know if if Beal is going to be back to lift the protection on what's owed in two thousand twenty three and trade a two thousand twenty five and two thousand twenty seven. If you don't know if 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 Beal is committing long term, or or maybe you just do it. And God, you keep your fingers crossed. The ghosts of Randy Foy and Mike Miller. <laughs> the ghosts of Randy Foy and Mike Miller rising up from the grave of bad draft day trades. Um, sorry, Washington fans. Yes, by the way, good agent thing by Spencer Dinwiddie's agent. 13 points a game on 38% shooting, and he's going to get a bonus uh, for games played <laughs> somehow. You, so know what bonus just... you, won't, you know what bonus you won't get, probably? That $1 bonus for winning the championship. 
I forgot about that. <laughs> Probably won't happen. That I don't think is coming. So, so is are we just going to end up at like they, they Beal and Beal for Simmons, but no one actually wants to do that trade? By the way, my favorite part of the Ramona Ben Simmons story was Simmons, according to sources close to Simmons, was upset at Embiid for blaming him for the Hawks' loss. Because Simmons didn't blame Embiid for the loss to the Raptors in 2019. I almost fell off of my chair when I read that. That was because my favorite draft. Because if there's a quality also. in players that are at the center of a firestorm that fans will not forgive, it's a lack of self-awareness. And so Joel Embiid had some clunkers in that series. He was ill, I think, for parts of it. Um, he was... Um, he was injured. I think he was dealing with some kind of lag, lag injury. He had like a couple two for seven games. Now, one of those was in a blowout where they didn't play him a lot of minutes. Um, wasn't a great series by Joel Embiid's standards. That was also the series where they were like plus a million with Embiid on the floor and minus a million with Embiid off the floor. It was also the series where Ben Simmons did so little on offense other than stand in the dunker spot that I wrote an entire story about how Ben Simmons was doing so little on offense other than standing in the dunker spot. To blame that series on Joel Embiid. Who was six of eighteen in Game Seven and blah blah blah? Like he didn't have a great series. He was like, also like, oh my. He was God. also plus ten in forty five minutes in a game they lost by two, in Game Seven. I I wrote a story with terrific. He was plus a million. No, he was plus ninety in the series. I think and in Game Seven he was plus ten in forty five minutes, and in the, th- the three minutes Greg Monroe played, he was minus twelve, and they lost by two. Um, yeah, Ramona's story was terrific, but that that graph also made me laugh for the same reason. It just was sort of a uh, an amazing lack of self-awareness and it also i mean look it also sort of sums up the the whole ben simmons situation like you know it's just the whole thing is just kind of mind-blowing i mean you mentioned it earlier he's giving up all this money you got kyrie irving up by 95 giving up half of his money you know willingly saying yeah i'm not just not going to okay so yeah let's let's have let's have this discussion let's have the let's zoom out and have the enough simmons beal whatever (laughs) forget the wizards they stink um (laughs) The the top of the East is just it's it's incredible because I think I think the Bulls about three weeks ago were like all right well you know we might struggle to make the play in tournament I mean, Pelton wrote a whole piece when, when I Lonzo thought and I was thinking heard that about how the, too for sure the not struggle to make the play in tournament make struggle it. to stay, stay in the out of the stay Flash out of the forward. play tournament yeah they're first still by yeah. two games in the loss column and so I don't know what so you've got these six teams. Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Brooklyn. The presumptive favorites, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, are fourth and sixth. And I just don't know in trying to divine how some of these more upstart teams, forget Philly, we've talked about them. So really Chicago and Cleveland, who is a team we haven't talked about, who I think is one of the linchpins of the trade deadline, how they should respond to this. Should they respond by saying, whoa, We've suddenly got a golden opportunity, chips in, or we have a golden opportunity as is because everything is falling apart around us, chips out, stay the course. Um, Chicago has some stuff to trade, notably Pat Williams, who, I, by the way, I don't think the ship has sailed on Pat Williams coming back this season. I think there's a chance he could play this season. Uh, Miami doesn't have much to trade. I think they can trade a first, but the, you know they don't have all that much. They've got some stuff, but not all that much. Cleveland, the reason I say they're the linchpin, they got picks, they got swaps, they got Colin Sexton, they got Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. They're not going to trade Allen, Mobley, or Garland, but they'll tra- they would. I think they'd be open to moving anything that's not those guys for the right kind of player, aka a guard or a wing. Um, Bobby, take a Chicago, Miami, or Cleveland, whatever. Like, h- how should they react to this changing landscape in the East, and particularly the Bucks and the Nets sort of scuffling? I think for Chicago, I think you're right about um, you know Patrick Williams. I think him coming back is probably more realistic, just because they weren't granted a disabled player exception. So there's there's the proof there that doctors, an independent doctor at least, feels like he could be back this season. Um, they are sitting up in the top. They've had, I mean, talking about a team that's been hit by COVID, they've got that Portland pick to use. Um, they've got some small parts, Troy Brown contract. I think they're more content kind of just riding this out 
right now as far as they know who they are with their three guys, um, their main guys. Um, I mean, they've gotten like, I mean, Io Dosomi has been like tremendous for them, right? Like it's another proof. Like you yep. can draft 21-year-old guards. Like it's okay. Been a fantastic you pick at 18 and 19. Yep. Like, like, you know, you know, he's another guy. Like, I don't want to go back to the offseason, but like I sat with him when we we're doing interviews, right? Like the Bobby Marks like, effect. Yeah, he, he had his, his blank. He had his blank to get. Like he, it's like one of those where I feel like he was interviewing me. Like comes in and like like dressed up in a suit. Like He's got it. So he's been like twelve and seven over his last ten games. You know what? Average. You know what he? You know what he is? Unflappable. Yep. Io Dusunu is unflappable. Yeah. He you assign him whoever you want to guard. Want him to guard big players, small players. Okay, fine. Hit like, two I'll do huge it. shots down the stretch to beat. Hit two huge shots to beat Orlando yeah. down the stretch the other day. No, 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 no problem at all. Took him. Didn't hesitate. Need me to need me to play a little point guard? Need me to play a little point guard? Yeah, sure. I don't, yeah. Whatever, whatever you need, like coach. I'm I'm good. Um. Uh. Anyway, continue, Bobby. Yeah, so so you do you think they're riding I think it Chicago, out? I think Chicago rides it out. I think for I think for Brooklyn, we talked about them. I think they're going to be known as one of the the greatest what if teams ever. I think that's the reality of the Brooklyn Nets right now. And then they can talk about them, the three guys never playing together, and that Durant eventually be come back, and they can figure it out. The Kyrie situation is going to be the wild card for for as long as we, you know, as long as we get into the off season and I mean into the postseason. And the, the, if New York still, City still has this vaccination rule, I mean that's the reality of it. Like they've that's how us, I I'll see. I'll tell you it. this: they've given us sixteen really fun games and a lot of good Instagram content. Just fantastic Instagram. Remember when Kyrie was doing the "I need eight post touches a half" and KD on Instagram Live was like, "Yeah, maybe we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk about that." Just great, they, great they, content. They, Hashtag content. They've got eight games coming up, and I think at best they're going to be three and five. I think that's at best that what they can do. I think they can steal maybe two Washington games and a Sacramento game. There's a real shot they'll be in the playing tournament. Possibly. I Maybe mean, better. Hopefully, hopefully you don't have to go up to Toronto because <laughs> yeah. then you don't get Kyrie. So that's where this really should all end. That's that's the logical end game to just the entire last three years of the NBA. Everybody deserves that as just a sheer and the Raptor has to be involved in an empty arena doing something crazy to piss off somebody on the Nets. Like that's the theater of the absurd that really maybe this has been leading to the entire time. It would be a fitting it would be a fitting <laughs> conclusion right. on several fronts, I think, if it ended up that way. It would be something else. It so something I've heard else. the same thing about about Chicago. Other uh, teams that have talked to Chicago and look, Arturis Kurnishevis plays plays his cards pretty close to the vest. But teams have said they seem to be cautious. And I've had this debate with a few people. I have come out on the side of I don't think I would trade Pat Williams for Jeremy Grant. I'm higher than a consensus on Pat Williams and a little lower than consensus on Jeremy Grant. I don't think that does enough for me this year for me to cost the future. But those are. Those are tough decisions, and if that trade isn't happening, maybe they tweak around the fringes. But I, I, I agree. I think I, if I had to bet, I'd bet they stand pat. Tim, you were going to say something. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I don't see Arturis trading Pat Williams. They, he picked him fourth last year. I, you know, they clearly are fans of him, and I don't. You know, the Jeremy Grant thing. Like uh, Jeremy Grant went left a really good team to go play in Detroit to get a bunch of shots and now still wants to get a bunch of shots after losing the past two years. I, if I was a team like Chicago, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to trade the guy I picked fourth last year for a guy who is, you know, wants to make sure he's trying to score 20 a game. Uh, when the idea would be to have him come in and be your fourth option and kind of a Swiss army knife guy like he was in Denver where he wasn't happy. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It is amazing how much that perception is turning teams off. The fact that, People still, the Intel teams are getting back is Jeremy Grant wants shots. Jeremy Grant wants to be a number one or number two option. Is that really going to fit on our team? Look at the culture we've cultivated. Is that, how is that going to work? Like, man, I kind of assumed that he would settle into a role in between Detroit and Denver. And and frankly, I think he's, he's be great in that role, averaging 14 a game and playing hard on defense, hitting open threes, yeah. whatever it is. And I, I guess I guess that's you know, the intel teams are getting is like that's not what he wants. You know what he you know what he needs to be and what com- comparable to what happened last year. Like he teams are looking at him, they want him to be an Aaron Gordon type role, like where Aaron Gordon yeah the role he was in in Denver. <laughs> like he yeah like he didn't need to be like the number one or two guy in Orlando. 
Like he just needed to come in and defend. Right. Give you 12 or 13 points and just kind of play that, play that role there. And that's, as you, Zach said, like that's what concerns teams is that he's, and you know how hard that is in, in with 25 games left, a, a guy coming in and be like, you know what? Like I'm the one, number one option. I'm the number two option. Like, if disrupting chemistry is going to happen, that's how it happens. Well, and if you're if you're Chicago, if you're any team trading for Jeremy Grant, you're essentially signing up to pay him four years, yeah. $112 million in an extension. And if you're Chicago, you say, well, Zach Levine's about to get a max. Right. We're paying DeMar 25 a year or whatever it is. Lonzo's getting 20 a year. Vooch is at whatever he's at. Like, how can we make this all work? Um, and, y- you know, I, I, I wonder how much of that grant noise is just is a game of telephone going around the league. Like, is, is Jeremy Grant really like whispering to his agent to whisper to teams like, I got to be the guy I got to be. I don't I don't know how much I believe that. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's change gears. Um, Tim, how worried are you about Milwaukee, who righted the ship a little bit uh, with, a, with a less than stellar win over, over Washington, but is 32-21, and 21, kind of just scuffling around 500 in their last 10 games, 6-4 and four in their last 10, got obliterated by Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets by 36 points. Um, I was so wrong about the Bucks, at least so far. I, I thought once they got their big three healthy – they were just going to go on like a 20 and two rampage and establish themselves as the team to beat in the East pending the Kyrie situation mm-hmm. that has not happened. They're fourth. Now they're only three games out of first, but they're fourth and not, not playing all that great. Dante DiVincenzo just can't get in a rhythm, can't stay healthy for more than a week or two at a time. Uh, the lack of size with Portis at center has, has started to be exposed. Their Giannis at center lineups are still really good, but they're smaller now without that P.J. Tucker piece. My guy, Semi Ojale, turned out not to be turned out not to be the answer, uh, unless the question is who can hit the side of the backboard most often on corner threes. Um, Timmy, good times. How, how, how concerned are you? The, 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 let, let's do the big picture first, actually. Bucks are ninth in offense and ninth in defense. So we do this thing where we're like, well, you got to be top 10 on both ends of the floor to be a contender. And there's like degrees of top 10. They're the teams that like barely crack in the top 10 and they technically qualify, but that's like not that convincing. Well, that's what the Bucks are right now. Are you concerned, Tim? No, I'm not concerned. I think they're the best team in the league by a pretty healthy amount. I think they should win the championship. I think they're, as of now, I think they're going to win the championship. And the main reason why is when their three guys are healthy, they're 20 and five. And they got a net rating of over nine. Like they've, they've yeah, had a lot of injuries almost, yeah, it's up to 10 almost today. They've had a lot of injuries, had guys in and out of the lineup, but you know, assuming they get Brooke Lopez back, which the bucks feel, I think fairly confident they're going to get him back. We'll see if that happens from this back injury and surgery he had. Um, they have no weaknesses really across the board. They're pretty deep now. Um, and I think the biggest thing about them, it's the same thing we've talked about on the pod before. They are just, they have such a calmness and confidence around their team now in the wake of winning the championship that I think that's going to really carry them 
through the playoffs. Like even early on in the year when they were really struggling, they had guys in and out and they had a ton of COVID. Like they they weren't ever panicking and they're not panicking now that they've scuffled a bit in January. I think if you look around the league too, Zach, like, I mean, Bobby can speak to this better than me from working on team sides, but like when you're in this period where there's two or three weeks till the deadline, and especially now that you get a full like eight, nine days off, I don't think it's a coincidence you're seeing a lot of these teams scuffling games now. Like everybody's kind of going, I get to this, I need to get to the all-star break, especially this year with all the COVID stuff that's gone on and how crazy things have been, all the replacement players that were through. I feel like a lot of these teams are just sort of gassed. And, you know, I think the Bucks, the way they've played in recent weeks is sort of, you know, kind of an example of that. But yeah, I think, I think Milwaukee, assuming their guys are healthy when they get to the playoffs, I think they're a cut above everybody else. And I think they're going to be just fine. Seven and eight, last 15, 18th in defense, 20th in offense. So there's slippage. I mean, there, there definitely is. I do think they have that, they have that championship equity as we call it, right. Where you can, they've been there before. They know what it is. My concern is like, and we're talking about a lot of these teams, like, one of, the, one of these teams is not getting to round two here, right? Like this, the Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Milwaukee, and Chicago group, one of them is losing in the first round. Yep. So, and if you're Milwaukee, like you're basically kind of riding what you have because the DiVincenzo piece is really your big, I guess your big trade asset. That's it. And he's a guy who's has shown that he's been in and out. He hasn't been healthy. Um, and you're hoping that Brooke comes back. I mean, and you're just relying on what you you're battle tested as far as going through the playoffs. So I, I would, I'm not, I'm not as concerned. Like I, I'd, I'd love to have, if I'm, if you ask me Milwaukee or Brooklyn right now, sign me up 10 out of 10 for Milwaukee. Well, like, it's interesting. It's interesting because Milwaukee, as soon as the Kyrie situation went haywire, I have said repeatedly, I think the safest bet to win the championship on the board is now Milwaukee for all the reasons that we have just discussed. My That 36-point loss hit me in the gut a little bit and made me say, wait a second, I, I've been just sort of chalking all of this up to malaise, exhaustion, championship run, plus our second and third best players went right to Japan for the Olympics. Uh, all-star break around the corner. Everyone's got one foot into one, two, three Cancun. I bet Drew, I wonder if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton you really got to do the thing where if you make the all-star team, then you're like, I'm, you know what? My ankles hurt. I need an injury replacement. Because then you get to say I was an all-star, but you don't have to go <laughs> to all-star and you can just have a little vacation. That's what you should do. Um, and, and, and that 36-point loss was the first time I said, and I had even mentioned on the pod like last week that, oh, the net rating with the big three is down to 7.5. I'd like to see that at 12 or 13. I'm not really that concerned. You know? We also went through this last year with them when there was all the Bud noise and is, is Bud lost the team? Is Bud in trouble? What's going to happen? And I wondered, boy, you know, to win a championship, to win four series, you really can't have any noise around you. Anything that, anything that just makes you think about anything other than the game in front of you is, is just disastrous for your championship hopes. You have to be completely united and completely focused. And what, what did they do? They regathered and they won the championship. They even lost to Denver last year by 33 points in the middle of the season to drop to 21 and 14. There's some sort of nice symmetry there. Um, I do think they're going to try and do stuff at the trade deadline. They have a roster spot open after the Cousins thing. Yep. I think they will fill that at some point with a center. DiVincenzo is interesting because that is their asset. They can't really attach much to it because they've traded all their first-round picks. They forfeited their second-round pick uh, this season in the tampering, in the Bogdan Bogdanovich tampering thing. Right. Um, and so I don't really know what – what I, I guess they could trade DiVincenzo. They have to trade DiVincenzo. Like, I've heard they could get a first-round pick for DiVincenzo. Well, I don't care. I'm trying to win the championship. I can't trade a rotation player for a non-player. Non right. I have to get a player. So I guess they have to look around and say, is there a player on a long-term deal that fits our team that their team doesn't want and they like DiVincenzo? I, I, we can throw out names. I don't know if there's any names you like. I don't, I, I don't particularly love any. I might just keep them. Yeah. Well, keep them and then you figure it out in the offseason, right? I mean, as you said, like a first-round pick doesn't really do much for you if you're trying to win a championship. Right. Even if it's you know a pick that's in the in the twenties right now, and I know well, it. Then Pat Con Pat Connaughton gets hurt, and you're like, we're down to six yeah. guys. Yeah, I mean, because what you've had, you know, the the Rodney Hoods, the guys that you signed, um, you know, in the, in the off season, really haven't 
you know, the minimum guys really haven't, you know, you're playing like seven man rotations, eight man rotations. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I'd be surprised if they trade Dante for that reason. Right. I think they look at it as, you know, we're trying to win again and he's, you know, look, we see all these teams, like everybody's trying to find wing players. Like they have, you know, with him and Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, like they've got kind of a extra wing player that they can, you know, they can play smaller playing Giannis at center more, especially when you're unsure about your, your center depth, right? At least they have the ability to play small effectively. So I'd be surprised if they move on from him. Plus Dante's not making enough money to where, like to your point, like if they could find a longer term piece that maybe fits at a similar salary structure, like, sure, I could see that, but there's not a ton of those guys in his price range that you're going to say, yeah, this guy can play a similar role to Dante. So, I think that I think that makes it tricky um, to figure out exactly what they're going to do. We never really talked about Cleveland. The only thing I'll add about them is that to your we're going to talk. We're going to talk about Cleveland. You've got to go talk on the hoop oh, on the yes. hoop collective in two minutes, so you're going to have to go. But by the way, speaking of Grayson Allen, what do you have to do to get suspended for more than one game in the NBA? Do you have to take a literal weapon out on the court? Do you have to take a two by four or a crowbar onto the court? We've somehow got people like what? What? What do you have to do? We've somehow gotten to the point where. Uh, Unlike, you know, any any sort of stuff from 30 years ago is seen now as, you know, this can't this can't be happening. And yet people can't get suspended either for more than a game. It's an interesting juxtaposition there. Well, James Harden, didn't James Harden complain last night that you can't touch anybody on defense uh, without without getting whistled for a foul? And yet he claims he's getting fouled all the time on offense and it's not getting called while he's shooting more free throws than last year. It's great. I don't want to keep you waiting. I don't want to keep Ryan Winhorst waiting. He's a very important man. Go to the hoop collective. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys later. Thanks for having me. All right. We've lost Tim Bontemps because he's got to go to Brian Winhorst. Brian is a very, very harsh podcast host. If you are late, there are punishments doled out. Like he does not tolerate tardiness, Bobby Mark. So Tim's gone. We haven't talked about the Cavs who are so ex- wildly exceeding expectations even though they've now dropped a fourth or uh, fifth actually in the East, they still have the best point differential in the conference. They have all these really good young players, despite Colin Sexton being injured. They have picks. They have Rubio's expiring. Um, They've been linked to basically every guard that's available in the league. I know for sure they have called about some guards that people don't realize might be available and maybe aren't available. They are searching everywhere for more ball handling. Um, what is your read on how aggressive this team is and how aggressive should they be considering they are ahead of schedule? I think uh, they are aggressive. I think if you look at the top six teams, you know, the teams that we've talked about, if you would, uh, if you could pick one that would do, would have multiple trades by when the 10th is over, it's going to, it would be Cleveland just because as you said, they've got picks to move. They've got uh, players, you know, contracts to move. Um, They've got accept uh, disabled player exceptions. They've got trade exceptions. They've got a little bit of, of everything here. And I think, you know, certainly, I, you know, for me a little bit, I think the Garland injury is a, a little bit of a concern. Um, back, back injury, yeah. they held him out of a game recently. Yeah, I, mean, I, think look, they've, I think they've said it's been something that's just kind of been lingering. Yeah, I mean, you look at, um, you know, they lost in Houston on, um, on Wednesday night, and you look at kind of like the bench, where you've got, you know, basically outside of Kevin Love, you know, it's a mixed match of veteran minimum guys, right? Like you're just, you know, if you're going to do something, it's going to be with your bench unit. I mean, that's the reality of it where, you know, the the Pangos, Ed Davis, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade group, yeah, you know, spot minutes here and there, but like you're going to need a guy to come in and, and give you 18 to 20 minutes in a playoff game. I will say every time Dean Wade plays and he's been starting for Lowry Markinen for the last bit, I, despite the fact that I've now seen Dean Wade play, I don't know, 100 NBA games, 50 NBA games, whatever, you go through the sensation of like, ooh, not great that they're starting Dean Wade. And then like eight minutes into the game, you're like, oh, I forgot this guy kind of is doing helpful stuff everywhere on these. Like, I don't feel bad having Dean Wade around. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, too, in transitioning a little bit, like, is there another, is there a point guard out there that you can go out and get right? Like that, you know, a point guard in, in, in some depth, some scoring, that would be my, um, that would be my wish list if I was Cleveland. I think the, the Rondo trade was, a, it was like a, just kind of a, it was a bandaid for right now. I don't think that's the end all be all as far as them looking for more, you know, point guard help. Yeah. Agreed. Um, 
there are definitely point guards you can get. It's just a yeah. matter of like, do, do you care about Dennis Schroeder? You know, is that changing your life? I mean, maybe it changes their life a little bit just because of what, what minutes is he replacing? I, to me, having called around the league to all these teams who have these guards and are talking to Cleveland and this and that, and again, this is this is prime disinformation season. And frankly, I think that may be a little bit about what's happening with Beal to, to try to go back to that. I think there are lots of lots of entities around the league who would have an interest in Beal asking out in Washington and so and, and thus an interest in sort of getting the wheels turning on that as if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But anyway, um, I think Cleveland appears to be approaching this the right way in that, yes, we're aggressive. We will give up stuff to get perimeter players. We're not giving up our best stuff, i.e. first-round picks, or we're going to be very resistant to be giving up first-round picks unless what's coming back to us is someone who we think can be part of this team in three or four seasons, in two or three seasons. So, in other words, I think the Eric Gordon negotiations would be really interesting because Houston has demanded a first-round pick from anyone who's interested in Eric Gordon – and I think the Cavs rightfully will say, well, Eric Gordon's 30-whatever. He's got a year left on his contract. Should we be in the business of giving up really valuable future assets this early in our timetable? We'll give you back your second-round pick, which we own, instead. Now, then you have, I, I think the Cavs would love to get in on somebody like Beal, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Then you have other guys where, that, that's why I think the rubber will meet the road for them on Karis LeVert. Because he hasn't had that great of a season. His playmaking comes and goes, to put it kindly. He shoots a lot, and he's not a great shot maker. But he is still pretty young. He does fit a need that they have. And they could say to themselves, well, you know, fits our timeline. Our first-round pick this year is going to be, what, 22, 23? It's worth it. And then Indiana then has to make the decision, is one eh, first-round pick worth it, considering this is sort of a big piece of what we got last season in, in the whole hard and old Depot fiasco. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but my, I don't know what your Intel says, but my Intel is that Cleveland is approaching this pretty rationally. Yeah. Aggressive, but not reckless. Right. I mean, that's kind of how I, I see it. I think the Levert piece is, would probably fit their timeline a little bit better um, just because he's got this year and next year. And I think there was an opportunity based on what his number would be. Um, you could bring because of his age, where I think Gordon is kind of like a um, you know, a hired gun, you know. I mean, I think that's kind of how I look at, at Eric Gordon here, where he's coming in to kind of just fill role, and then once this contract is over, like that's the that's the end of it, and it would it would cost you either a first or, as you said, you know, that second that they have from Houston. I don't love the Levert fit on their team, but I will say Garland is is pretty malleable as a guy who can play on and off the ball. Uh, Levert has size to guard wings, although he doesn't do it particularly well, but he does have size to guard wings. I think Cleveland, I think Garland gives the Cavs the ability to look at all kinds of guards. Like if you wanted to call, I'm not even going to name names. They can look at all, they can look at point guards. They can look at big point guards. They can look at uh, wings. They can look at anyone to put next to Garland. Um, I guess, you know, every if we're talking about Levert and we're talking about guards that might be there long term, despite the fact that I think there is a deep there there is a there is um that the Cavs think Colin Sexton is a really good player, every time we start to hear about the Cavs looking at a guard or a wing who could be on their roster long term and considering how well they've played in their current sort of alignment, I, it just feels like it's inevitably leading to Colin Sexton being on another team next year, which which would open up even more trade possibilities because his matching rights in restricted free agency have, have value. Well, they have a ton of value. I mean, you could also use them in a um, in a sign, you know, si- you know, as you said, sign in trade. Um, so um, just because he's not there now doesn't mean like that you can turn that into something when we get into July. I mean, there's va- there's definitely value there. Let's end with the question that we've kind of been talking around, and we'll do it rapid fire. Can the Philadelphia 76ers win the East? as currently constructed with no Ben Simmons trade? No, they can't. I can't, I don't, I don't see them beating uh, Milwaukee or knock. I mean, or despite, Brooklyn. despite their current ravaged state of the, or ravaged may be too strong of a word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Despite the ravaged state, I, yeah. I would, I would, I, my answer has always been no. Um, lately they have, they have, 
made the naysayers look foolish with how well they've played. And Kendrick Perkins yelled at RJ and I on TV the other day for saying no um, because Embiid has just been out, out, outrageously good. I just still think they don't quite have enough juice. Now, if they get everyone healthy, like Shake Milton hasn't played in ages, Seth Curry was out last night, maybe they do have a little uh, enough ball handling around Embiid. I, I just think between, between Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Miami, who we have not talked about much on this podcast, I think let's say two of those teams are whole and ready in the playoffs. I just I and and forget the Bulls who are the number one seed, right? Like they they kind of are a little bit untested in the playoffs, and no disrespect for them, they're just untested. Uh, they they're going to be whole in the playoffs too. They're going to be really hard to beat. I, I just think it's hard to see Philadelphia beating multiple of those teams in playoff series, and maybe even hard to see them beating just one. Although I I would take my chances against some of them with Embiid to win one playoff series. I'm still saying no. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean seeding will also play a role. I mean, if they're in a four or five hole, I mean, you're looking at you know one of these, the Miami's, Brooklyn, Milwaukee's potentially, you know, those type teams there. So I just I'm not there. I think it's hey hey they played great basketball, but in a in a seven game series, I would I would take you know any of these other teams besides Philadelphia. I, I you know. I got to see what the Brooklyn situation is before I say that about Brooklyn because they look yeah. like a mess right now. And we've got to see Durant. Durant's got to be back. When Durant comes back, that changes everything. Even just Harden plus Durant, I think, yeah, I think you take Brooklyn still and they're still dangerous. But it's it's not going great. All right, Bobby Marks, um, buckle up. We got a week to go. I'm sure we will be seeing you across the airwaves and uh, in many different places. You've got a trade deadline guide up. You've got a bonus guide up today. You've got all sorts of content. Yeah, we got fun stuff coming up. Yep, all good little tidbits out there, and uh, it'll be a fun week. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Thank you, sir. Be Thank well, you. Bobby. Thank you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.